Welcome to Inside Dance, a podcast that celebrates the Bates Dance Festival artists and teachers. I'm your host, Lindsay LaPointe. This episode features Angie Hauser, who is a choreographer, performer, and teacher. Since the year 2000, she's been a member of the B.B. Miller Company, receiving a Bessie Award for her creative work with the company. This summer, she'll be teaching one of the Making Work week-long intensives called The Anatomy of Gesture. She will be teaching this course alongside Chris Aiken. Students will work with improvisation and performance techniques to explore creating, shaping, and connecting emergent gestures in the process of making dance. This course will run July 19th through the 25th. The interview you're about to hear was recorded in 2018. I didn't train uh, as a dancer early in my childhood, as many dancers do. Um, I started seriously um, as a teen, maybe 14 or 15, and studying classical ballet. And I had really excellent classical ballet teachers who had a really excellent um, pedagogy. Um, and then from that, I stopped dancing when I went to college and studied art history most of that time. And, um, <clears throat> but decided or found myself really wanting uh, to be dancing and moving and figuring out how I could do that. And that's when I started going to the American Dance Festival in Durham. I went two summers to that and worked with amazing teachers, um, Donald McHale and Ishmael Houston Jones, um, Diane McIntyre were three that were really important to me during that time that really introduced me to what could be contemporary dance training, but also, um, improvisation, particularly with Ishmael. Uh, and then I moved to New York City, and I hit New York City right uh, kind of early to mid-90s, uh, so I got the chance to work with a lot of Trisha Brown's company at the time. We're teaching repertory classes, and um, Wally Cardona was teaching, Vicki Schick. Um, so that time where what was known as release technique, though I have some confusion with what that means, but that realm of teaching was going on and I got the benefits of some excellent teachers. Um, and during that time I continued to study ballet which really uh, stabilized uh, I think me emotionally in New York City just to know what I was going to get in the class as I was exploring all these really new things. And so I worked with Jackie Villamil who's a, one of the great uh, teachers um, and she was super important to me. Um, I went to graduate school at Ohio State and I worked with a woman named Vicki Blaine uh, at Ohio State who is a huge influence uh, for me as well as Karen Elliott who danced with the Cunningham Company and I have a lot of um, information and material that uh, came to me through taking Karen's classes. Uh, also a big part of my, my training is I discovered a contact improvisation class when I was still my last year in college. I stumbled into it. It happened to be Nancy Stark Smith. I didn't know who that was at the time, but uh, as one of the founders of the form, uh, she taught this incredible three-day workshop and it really just kind of blew my mind open about movement and dancing. Um, and that, I began to pull that thread. As I moved to New York City, I uh, continued to work with um, contact improvisation and people who were interested in that form, like KJ Holmes and Andrew Harwood. And then eventually, Chris Ake and I became collaborators, and we do a lot with that form. So I have worked with B.B. Miller with the company since 2000. So I'm in my 18th year of that collaboration with the company. Um, uh, I met B.B. Uh, maybe a year before I joined the company, but I knew of her work uh, 
for 10 years before that. I had seen her work early, 1992 maybe, and had been really um, drawn to it and just knew, I was still living in the South and I hadn't seen anything like it and I just wanted to know more about it and be a part of it. And so I spent 10 years <laughs> kind of keeping my eye on her work and what she was doing and finally got the chance to uh, work with her and uh, have been doing it now for a long time. Uh, so she and I have a really uh, close uh, collaborative relationship. She is this incredible director who brings together um, very talented uh, dancers, dramaturg, writers, lighting designers, musicians, and she's the kind of director that really can hold a space for those big ideas and personalities and then also keep a really clear point of view vision of her own. So as a collaborator, I really couldn't imagine a better situation. Uh, we have both fed each other for many, many years and I have really come into myself as an artist uh, through that collaboration with BB and we've made uh, all, we've been making these evening length works uh, since 2000 um, and different cast but I've participated in all of them and um, got the chance to work in a way that is very particular around ideas of um, improvisation but also how the body works and how culture works in the body, how um, expression works in the body, what's available to us as uh, performers in any given moment. I've, I've worked with a lot of different artists and collaborated in different ways, but the two anchors have been the B.B. Miller Company and B.B. Miller herself. And my other main collaboration is with Chris Aiken, who uh, Chris and I have made work together, uh, I don't know, over 10 years. Uh, one of the first pieces we made was a piece called Dwell, which uh, we had noticed that just the possibility of every performance space that we were going into, that though they were black boxes or proscenium's, that each one had its own sense of place um, and that we wanted to create dance and performance that uh, used and accentuated the sense of place. Uh, so we made this project where we were going in, we were getting to know the place itself, uh, but also the people that uh, create the space through their work as the presenters and the staff of wherever the theater was. Um, and then we would do what we called macrobiotic uh, set making, where we would scavenge people's houses that were connected to the project or uh, Salvation Army or antique or the natural environment and bring objects into the space. And a lot of the kind of preparation for it would be to install and create this place that was particular to that theater with the objects of that place. Um, and then we would dwell in it. And so the performance itself was wide open. It wasn't scored internally, but it was scored by the practice of, of creating this place. Um, so that's an example, and we've done different uh, versions of that kind of uh, placemaking and performance making, really uh, using the community of the um, place that we are being presented. I teach at Smith College, which is in Northampton, Massachusetts. 
It's a liberal arts women's education um, college, and I've been there for about eight years. I'm currently chairing the department there, um, and I work with my colleagues. Chris Aiken is one of my colleagues there, and also Roger Bloom and Lester Tomei. So we're a team of four, and we have a wonderful um, musical director, Mike Vargas, who is well known in our field and is a Bates uh, musician many times. Um, so he's there with us as well. Technique is always a gigantic question for me. And sometimes the questions with technique uh, really can feel like they're at cross purposes. Uh, so to plan a technique class for a situation at Bates or for a class, a course at Smith College or for a professional experience in New York uh, is a really challenging um, proposition. Right now, and it has been since the first class I ever taught, I don't think the challenge of it has eased up. Perhaps it has changed and uh, morphed in relationship to my experience, but it is still always um, uh, a very uh, serious endeavor for me to, to figure out how to share what I know as a dancer um, with whatever population I'm teaching. and. Um, I'm always trolling for information from other teachers and from my students about you know what are they looking for, what's important about technique. And uh, a few years ago, I asked um, a student, why, why are you taking my class? It was in a festival situation like Bates. Uh, you know, why did you take my class? We were having a conversation about this. And she said, oh, because I want to dance like you. And I had never thought about that. I had always been driven by the material, like uh, is it going to be this kind of phrase work or this kind of training material to do this particular thing for the body. And I thought, oh, she's coming here to get something that she perceives I have as a performer, dancer, artist. And what if that were in some way what was driving how I decided what to share in my class? And so I started asking myself that, what is it that I do? What is it that I do and how is it shareable? And that's been a really fun um, and in some ways liberating uh, question for me as a technique teacher. Uh, I, so right now at Bates, I'm really listening to that. And so I'm sharing a lot about how we pay attention as dancers, what's actually happening in our attention as we're performing the warm up the material of the phrase or any part of our class, work with another person, how are we shaping our attention um, on purpose? And because that's one of the main things I do as a dancer, and I'm, of course, that's in conversation always with what is our actual skills of coordination and flexibility and endurance and stamina, um, that is always in there, but I'm allowing the questions of um, individuality and legibility of self uh, to be uh, at a higher volume right now for my for guiding how I'm teaching and what material I'm teaching. And it's going well, so I feel good about it. <laughs> Let's see if there's anything I want to add to that. Well, so I'll give one that's like really technical, but it, it genuinely is something that I think um, can change your dancing, <laughs> which is to 
start to be conscious of how your ankles, knees, and hips are working together in the flexion and extension of the ankles, knees, and hips um, in relationship to gravity and in relationship to loft and in relationship to standing. So when I really identified and started to work, every chance I had that possibility to really use my full leg or my full legs, if that were the case, um, it changed my dancing. And of course, in my class, we go on into how that impacts the use of the spine and um, a lot more technical details. But the idea that not to wait to use your legs, because then they're not strong and powerful when you need them. We love to hang over with our long, uh, straight legs, because <laughs> it feels good in our hamstrings. But it, uh, if we don't bend them, we don't ever get those powerful, um, uh, yeah, the power that can come from that. So that's a technical one. And then in terms of, I don't know, perhaps more philosophical, I think, um, is really about being interested in what you're doing, caring about what you're doing. If, if you don't care about what you're doing, we do not care about it. It really doesn't matter what your technical ability is. And so, and there are times that you, you're not interested. And so the strategy and techniques of getting yourself interested are a really important part of dance training. Moving in the moment is this mix of performance, community project, uh, kind of faculty, teacher exchange, um, and, and just a, a artist exchange. Uh, and one of the biggest jobs for us is to really uh, create a frame that makes space for a wide range of artists and dancers with not a lot of contact time with them. Uh, so you have some people who are really experienced with improvisation. They have their own performance improvisation practice, their own work that they've already presented and are presenting and teaching. You have them. You have some really experienced um, choreographers. You know, I think of like Doug Barone. I remember the first time he did it with us. You know, a very, very experienced choreographer. And then you have people who are great dancers but don't really have improvisation as a part of their process. Um, and they're sometimes quite tentative. So you have to make a place that makes space for all of those people and, and is structured enough where people feel like they can really uh, be their best. Uh, so that's absolutely what drives us. The way we often do it is we invite people to um, offer uh, anything that they're working on, a score or a duet or any material they're working on, often they don't have the, the time and really the um, uh, space to offer much because Bates tends to be very, very demanding and busy. So if there is something we integrate it in um, and then we use our materials that we work with both in teaching situations as well as in our own work and we do a couple of rehearsals and we share with them and we just practice these forms and we see what comes out of it. And then Chris and I make a big long score that's about 60 minutes long and people will know generally when they're gonna be dancing, like this is gonna be a whole group thing, this will be, these two dancers will do this for 
this amount of time. Some things are open. There's almost always a, an open time, usually around 15 to 20 minutes that, that's open towards the end of the score so that whatever has happened up to that moment, we can really listen to that and let that inform what the last uh, bit of material is. We always score the end because with that many people and personalities, it's uh, very easy to have a unsatisfying, ambiguous end, so we, we either we communicate with the musicians um, where everyone knows uh, what we're looking for. We don't know what it's going to actually be, but we know the end is coming when we hear this piece of music or when this dancer comes out and begins to dance. We know that's the last chapter of what's happening um, so that people can organize around that. Yeah, um, and we just invite people to, to be themselves and also we, um, we hold the frame for them so that they can uh, be their most expressive, creative, generative selves inside of something so they know what they're doing um, so that they can improvise. An open improvisation score, if you don't improvise regularly, um, is really daunting and not so interesting because you don't have anything to be in relationship to. Uh, so we try to give them something, some problem to solve in the dancing. So Chris and I have been teaching the advanced improvisation class here at Bates. I think this is at least our third time in some form. Maybe it wasn't called advanced, maybe it was called improvisation, but teaching a class together. Um, and we also teach uh, a workshop called Dance Improvisation Performance Intensive uh, that we teach every year, which is a group of 20 people um, often people that are returning to working with us that have worked with us at Bates or somewhere else where we do similar work but we do it all day long. But the, the work that we're sharing there is really our active research. It's what we're doing now um, that's generating our performance work as a, as a kind of co-directing team. Because both of us work with contact improvisation as well as performance improvisation, uh, often those things will get conflated sometimes where people aren't able to discern that contact improvisation is a different form that's under the umbrella of improvised movement or improvised dance forms. Um, and the improvisation class is really a chance to practice ensemble performance making, real-time ensemble performance making. And in the class we work with kind of building material, how you generate material as a solo dancer, you know, how are you interrogating the sensation, the perception of the environment, how that feedback loop is coming in and then you're putting movements out. And we then connect that into working uh, in duets and trios perhaps, often using touch but not always, um, as a way of layering and understanding how we interact as both an individual inside of a relationship. And then it becomes also this ensemble, which is this community kind of microcosm of everyone working together to create a composition in real time that is uh, aware of form, design, um, space and time, sound, expressiveness, the things that you think of as choreographic. So there's this choreographic um, lens that we are uh, 
calling on in the improvisation and to figure out how you can do that um, in real time. And there has to be a tolerance for the unknown and also like an appetite for the unknown. I think improvisation, you, I'm really good at uh, composing in real time. I can do it now, but it, it's, um, it can get stuck. It's not actually the improvisation I love if it doesn't have a kind of blooming into the unknown part of it. So for us, we're always trying to find ways to both organize the forms that are emerging and to uh, destabilize forms that are really solidifying so that you get in a great improvisational performance, I think, you see kind of chaos into form dissolving into wilderness. Um, that's the improvisation I, I love and that's what we're trying to share in our classes. When we go in and rehearse, we don't like do those scores. Uh, it's more that we teach together enough that we're really getting to practice that and we get to watch our students kind of figure it out and that informs our aesthetic and our sensibilities about space and, and form and we share that because we're doing it together. But then when we're actually on stage or rehearsing, it tends to be open. So it's that we've, we've integrated these um, practices and they're available to us if they're needed in the moment. So we tend to know, let's say, how long it's gonna be. We tend to you know, have uh, had conversations with what the lighting palette is going to be or what the musical palette is going to be. But we start and then we unfold until we have a sense of the end. And the end we know we're aiming, like let's say it's uh, 60 minutes. Like we know that uh, we're looking for an end at and around 60 minutes. And the lighting designer knows and the musicians know. Uh, so it's very, very open in the moment of performance, but that openness is possible because of the depth of um, time we've spent articulating uh, the forms that we're sharing in our classes and articulating those forms and values to the collaborators that we're working with and to each other. So we spend a lot of time just talking about what we care about, um, seeing art or music and, and talking about it. And then that becomes this shared kind of soup that is um, under and informing what we're doing when we're on stage. Do I have a moment that I always remember? Um, I have many. Uh, some of them have happened in the studio. Um, some of them have happened watching someone, like watching a student solve something. And some of them have happened on stage. Uh, what's coming to mind uh, are moments of, like really tiny moments of physicality that you could never construct and like uh, pre-construct that really were there, it's just this amazing sweet spot of, you know, two people coming together and time and that moment. Um, so there's, there's, those are so wonderful when they happen. Um, and they, they happen. 
uh, as an improviser, you have to train yourself not to be like, whoa, look, that happened. <laughs> you have to just integrate it and, and keep going. Um, and then there are other moments of uh, where I am uh, more of a witness, either on stage, uh, I've seen a lot of great things. And also with BB, we do a lot of improvising um, in BB's company too, where I'm on stage, but in a less uh, dominant uh, situation, perhaps I'm uh, sitting or still or in a, something where I'm not the main event and I get to witness something else going on and those are really, really incredible performance moments where I have the aliveness of being on stage uh, but I'm witnessing uh, Daryl Jones or Michelle Boulay or one of my other dance colleagues have a great dance moment. So I have a lot of those as well. <laughs> I am absolutely the product of amazing teachers and collaborators and it makes me want to start crying because I, um, I've had incredible people in my life and still do who have mentored me um, as, a, as a teacher, as a uh, dancer, as an academic. Um, so I just want to honor those people all the time and there's so many of them and uh, I feel like because we have this beautiful kind of tradition in dance that just gets passed down through the body and, and we do acknowledge it um, in, inside of uh, ourselves and each other, but so much is lost. I mean, it's, it's the nature of living um, that I feel more and more that I want to just honor and, and acknowledge the people that have got me here and that I'm not here in any way on my own. <laughs> and I think that I have always identified myself um, as a collaborative artist. Like I think I've made one solo in my whole life. I think I somehow had to do it. Uh, some, yeah, someone commissioned a solo early on and I did it and I just was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I, I, not that solos are bad, but they're not, um, at this point, up until now, they have not had juice for me. Uh, so I want to be in the room with other people, um, and I want to be in the kind of, the mess of that, uh, and figuring out uh, what is between us that is more than us as individuals. This podcast was produced by the Bates Dance Festival. Editing was done by myself, Lindsay LaPointe. Music featured by Adam Crawley. If you would like to take class, see a performance, or attend the many special events we have planned this summer, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.